Hey there, friends. Welcome to the She Laughs Podcast. This is Katie. I'm really glad you're here. This is my second side episode. That's what I've been calling them. Um, so some girls in my church were going through the book of Romans together on Thursday mornings. And I thought, you know, we're generating all this content from Romans. Why not combine it with the podcast? And uh, maybe it could help someone who missed a week sort of catch up and get a recap of what we talked about. It's not the same as being there in person, but it's better than nothing. It's a fun way to get caught up. Um, maybe it'll serve that purpose. Or if there's someone in my church who wants to be uh, a part of the study but can't be there on Thursdays, maybe they can keep abreast here. Or even if I don't know you and you don't know my church, you can just sort of um, pull up a virtual chair to our table and, and hear what the Lord is teaching us from Romans. So those are my goals in doing these little side episodes. Today is Romans 2. We are going verse by verse, chapter by chapter. So there's a lot of Bible reading going on. And like I said, I'm just recapping what we talked about in our study, but hopefully it'll be a blessing to you. Hey, if your plate is chock full of good exegetical Bible study and you're feeling overwhelmed, you're not going to hurt my feelings if you skip these Romans episodes. Like I said, they're primarily for the girls who, um, have to miss a week for whatever reason so that they can have a place to catch up. But if you want to be here, we're so glad that you are. So I'm going to jump right into Romans 2. I'm not keeping, uh, sorry, I'm keeping the episodes pretty basic. I'm not adding music or anything, just doing a simple recap of what the Lord taught us through our study in Romans 2. So here we go. I'm going to jump right in. Romans 2 verse 1 says, Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things, and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? If you go back to Romans 1, um, there's a whole list of sins. Some of them seem flagrantly horrid, and others seem like, whoa, gossip made the list. Paul's point in Romans 1 is that sin is ugly, and all of us do it. And um, if you can make it through Romans 1 without feeling the heaviness of your guilt, <laughs> you probably missed something. But you will not make it through Romans 2 without seeing like, oh man, I am in trouble. Because right here, he's speaking to those of us who have a very nasty tendency to see the sin in other people, but see no issues in ourselves. Now, I talked to the girls a little bit about judging. We know that the Bible encourages us to call out false teachers and to call sin, sin. But it also encourages us to confront the sins of other people with humility, understanding that we ourselves are capable of great sin and frequently harbor really yucky, sinful attitudes that are just as bad as more noticeable sins that we might find in other people's. Um, when we play, take the place of ultimate judge and we pretend like we have the final say on a person's heart, we're actually taking the place of God and that is wrong. Um, I feel like people judge others. It's really popular in our cultural to say like, don't judge me. Um, no judgment here. <laughs> um, that's like a popular thing to say, but is it really biblical? Now, if you are looking at someone and pointing out their flaws and their sin so that you can feel better about yourself, that is exactly what Paul is condemning in Romans 2, 1 through 3. Don't do that. That is wrong. Um, we don't 
put down other people so we can exalt ourselves. Uh, the Christian way to confront sin is with, like I said, humility, recognizing that we too are capable of great evil. And then we go to our fellow humans saying like, hey, look, that's that what you're doing right there, that offends God. You're He's, he, he's angry with sin. You're going to face this judgment for this. You need, you need help. Look, Jesus showed us what to do about our sin. Bring, bring your shame and your guilt to him. Trust him for forgiveness and then walk in his ways. Um, we do that with a heart of humility, not a heart of like, we are so much better than you. Oh my goodness, you have so many problems. Do you see the difference? And I think Paul is condemning that attitude that looks down on others having no sense of how we ourselves are very, very evil. So um, be cautious of that. If you find that hypocritical spirit in yourself where you can see the sins of other people but are completely blind to your own, oh my, that is a bad position to be in. And Paul says that those who judge others without ever seeing their own sin um, are in just as bad of a position as those who have flagrant open in your face sin. I hope that um, I hope that makes sense to you. It's a really important thing to see. Uh, we find in verse 4 that God himself is a kind judge. In fact, it says, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? For me, this verse has an element of comfort to it because I love that my God is a God of kindness and that he woos others with gentleness and love. I had a college professor, I was really struggling to stay awake in his class, and uh, he wanted to talk to me and I had a feeling about what the conversation was gonna be about. And I was being rude and immature. I'm sure with enough self-discipline, I could have managed to um, stay awake for an hour, but um, I was being immature and rude, like a son. And um, he came up and talked to me and I had a feeling I knew what he was gonna say and he goes, you know, I'm just really concerned that you're not getting enough sleep. And my heart just melted because his kindness called me out and made me want to change instead of slamming me with like, uh, you're an adult, can't you stay awake for an hour to hear what you're paying to hear? Like he could have, there were two very different approaches to addressing the problem and he chose the path of kindness and patience and it actually drew me to change how I was approaching his class. Um, I think that's the idea of what Paul's trying to communicate about the pa the kindness of God, that it's not meant, God is not kind so that we can sin for a little bit longer. <laughs> He's kind and forbearing and patient because he wants us to be softened and to led to, uh, to be led to change our ways. There's a danger this verse also convicts me. There's a danger to presume on his kindness and his forbearance and his patience to assume that, you know, well, I mean, I know God is a forgiving God. Like, I'll just let this one slide. That's, Paul calls us out like, no, it's not supposed to be like that. His kindness is supposed to change you. Let your heart be changed by God's kindness. Moving on to verse 5, and I'm going to read through 11. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. 
but for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. So these verses unfold for us the judgment plan of God that he is fair and he is going to judge us as we ought to be judged. Um, this is really the ultimate problem of sin. This is really why we need to confront others. It's really not fun to tell someone, God is angry at your sin and you need to change and follow Christ. That's not really a fun message because we don't like to step on people's toes, but it is what they need to hear. Um, they don't need to hear us try to convince them to be good people or do better or make the world a better place. Like All those things are fine and well, but it doesn't do anything um, if we never warn them about the ultimate judgment that's coming, uh, we're not really being loving and kind. We're just sort of comforting them as they're walking right into the pit of hell, right? We need to be warning people that sin brings God's judgment. Uh, that's, that's how this all works. Um, sin is a slap in the face of our holy God, right? Uh, when we do things like covet, we're just saying that the creator who made us didn't give us enough. Slap in the face. When we do things like lying, we know that God is a God of truth. We know that he doesn't want us to do that. And we're like, well, you know, I really would like to avoid some trouble here. I'm just going to lie. It's like a slap in his face. The holy God who loves us, who's given us so much, who's given us a beautiful world and joy and laughter and children and um, beauty and creation and companionship. We just slap him in the face every time we decide that we're going to do things our own way. We have justly uh, brought his wrath upon us. It's a hard message to preach, but it is essential in order to understand the gospel. Um, people need to come to Jesus almost suffocating, like, you got to help me. So I need help. I need help. And I think Romans 1 and 2 kind of um, builds that anxiety in our souls of like, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm all... I'm sinful from, from beginning to end. I'm on every list. I judge. I'm a hypocrite. I have flagrant sin like all over the place. God is just to punish me for my sin. But, well, I'm going to hold off on that. But the gospel. I always want to interject the, the good news because it's there. It's coming. Jesus can provide a way of escape for you. But Paul isn't done yet. <laughs> okay, Romans 2 verse 12 says, For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are the righteous who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when the Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves. So, um, You'll hear in this section of the chapter a lot about those who are under the law. Those people under the law are the Jewish nation. God gave his, you could say his law proper to the Jewish people. Like he specifically spoke to them and told them how he wanted them to live and act. They had the law of God. So that law, when kept, is the way things are supposed to be. Um, 
but that leaves a whole lot of other people, the Gentiles, namely, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. There's only two options here. Um, what about those people? Are they off the hook? Because, you know, well, they don't have the formal law of God. So can they really be justly judged? Well, Paul anticipates that question, and here's what he says. For when the Gentiles, the people who aren't Jewish, who do not have the law by nature, do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves. Even though they do not have the law, they show the works of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when according to my gospel god judges the secrets of men by christ jesus so we find that even those without the law have a sense of moral right and wrong across cultures murder is bad across cultures stealing is bad all cultures have their own sense of what is right and wrong. And the question is, where did that sense of right and wrong come from? How do you just innately know, like, I'm not supposed to do that, <laughs> or I'm supposed to do this. This is good. This is bad. How, how do you have that sense? Well, Romans says it's because God wrote his law in your heart. And that law written on your heart, it'll accuse you. And your conscience will accuse you when you don't keep it. So even those who never had the formal law still have a standard by which God will judge them. That is what Paul is trying to prove in these verses. Picking up on verse 17, but if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law. And if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law? For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. So the Jews, as God's chosen people, were given specific revelation about morality. But was their identification just, you know, having the law, knowing what it says, enough to make them holy? Paul almost gets sarcastic in these verses. It almost makes me giggle. He's like, you're a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish. Like, you think you're all that because you have God's special law, but you don't keep it. You try to get others to do it, but you can't do it yourself. This is a problem. You are under condemnation because you can't keep the law. <laughs> and then in verse 25 moving right along sorry uh okay for circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law but if you break the law your circumcision becomes uncircumcision so if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision, but break the law. Which, I, are you dizzy? <laughs> so what he's saying, well, let me finish the passage because he ex ex summarizes it beautifully. In verse 28, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, 
nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So Paul is speaking to um, circumcision was just a, uh, it became like an identifying feature of the Jewish people, something they practiced that most of their heathen neighbors, I mean, none of them as far as I know did um, practice. It was something unique to their nation. And a lot of times the Jews um, relied on their national identity to kind of give themselves a leg up in their standing before God. Um, but Paul is saying, like, it doesn't matter what you do on the outside. If you're a mess on the inside and your heart is ugly, it you, you can be circumcised. You can you can do whatever you want. If if you have sin in your heart, it's it's just as bad. <laughs> like, um, and that's where he says, uh, this is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. It's almost like the Jews were sort of the goody-goody two-shoes of the nations. <laughs> they um, just thought they were all that because they were really good at keeping rules. But inside, it was a mess. Jesus pointed this out to the Pharisees. I'm going to take you over to Matthew 5, where Jesus just rips apart the people who thought they were so great at keeping all the rules. So in verse 21 of Matthew chapter 5, he says, you have heard that it was said of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. And you read that verse and you're like, yeah, murderers should die. I've never murdered anyone. I'm good. Listen to verse 22. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm actually not so good after all. I've been angry before. I've insulted people before. Jesus's point is that like, well, yeah, maybe you've never actually killed someone, but in your heart you hate. It's the same deal. You're under the same condemnation as the murderer. Oh, that's ugly. Um, another one, lust. You've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. You know what? I am a one, one man woman. Make sure I say that in the right order. Um, I've never committed adultery. I've been faithful in my marriage vows. But then in verse 28, he kind of peels the law back and says, I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Oh, so like just wanting to step outside of your marriage vows a bit is wrong Ooh. okay well maybe i didn't make the cut there and if you read through the sermon on the mountain matthew 5 you find that jesus really attacks the heart and make makes the keeping of the letters of the law the rules null and void and what that does is swing the gavel down on every soul that has ever walked the planet because all of us, whether you're the goody-goody tissues that's great at keeping all the rules or you're the flagrant sinner who doesn't care about them, all of us have a heart that does wrong. And this is a problem. This is suffocating news because if it was all we knew about God, that he hated sin and that he would judge sinners, we would be in trouble. 
I encourage the girls in my study on Thursday morning to like sit in it for a minute because if you never, there's a lot of benefits to understanding your sinful heart. And while it's a hard pill to swallow, it will do much good for your soul. And here's why. Because if you have an accurate view of your sinfulness, you will feel the grace of Christ in a deep way. I mentioned in my Romans 1 episode that the, the woman who came to Jesus with tears in her eyes, brokenhearted, um, wiping his feet with her hair, and she's just broken, and the, the Pharisees are like, do you know what kind of girl that is? So you don't want her touching you. And he says, whoa, she's been forgiven much. She has loved much. When we have a accurate picture of how much we have been forgiven, we have a better capacity to love Jesus. And that's what I want. So when you're confronted with Romans 1 and 2, and it's pretty ugly and you can see yourself in it, hey, you, if you've come to Christ, you've been forgiven much. And it will increase your capacity to love Christ. Secondly, it gives you a humility when you confront other sinners because you're just like them. There's all the footing at the, I'm I'm murdering this, all ground is level at the cross, right? Um, Like I said, you're going to stand there. Maybe you didn't murder anyone, but you've hated. It's the same. Like it or not, it is. That's what Jesus said. Um, And that means that when I share the gospel with someone, I don't come up to them and be like, hey, you want to be holy like me? I got it together and you're a mess. You need some help. First of all, that's really annoying and obnoxious when people act like that, but it's not helpful because it's not true. (laughs) Um, When we go to sinners and say like, hey, you got a problem. You really need help. Um, We can do it with humility because we understand who we are. And then the last thing, the last benefit I can see to having a accurate view of your own sinfulness sorry, get some background noise there, is that it helps you to um, accept correction. Don't be so surprised when your sin nature comes out because you're bad. Um, you know what? If you're under the grace of Christ, he's changing you, but it's it's pretty ugly. He's got a lot more work to do than you probably even realize. So it just helps you when you take a really deep glance at how bad things are inside of you. Ah, Jesus is so so sweet. Um, I hope this was an encouragement to you. I know Romans 1 and 2 is heavy. It's hard to hear, but Romans 3, it's coming. So hang on and I'll see you next time.